Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him today. And I want to thank you for just handling the broadcast. You're going to notice some background noise. No, we're not playing a soundtrack. You may hear some live outdoor nature sounds today in I Work For Him as we broadcast from Jacksonville, Florida, where the orange blossoms are blooming, the birds are singing, the sky is blue, and the wind is about five miles an hour. But it's 80 degrees outside as we broadcast on location in Jacksonville, Florida. But thanks for tuning into I Work For Him. Thanks for just making yourself available to be challenged in a way that a lot of radio shows don't challenge you. We don't talk about politics in I Work For Him. We don't talk about current events. We talk about how do we connect what we learn on Sunday with what we're doing in our nine to five. And as you listen to us on the radio, on the internet, and on the podcast, just know that before the show, I prayed specifically for you that something we would say today on the air would cause you to dig deeper and connect on what you learned on Sunday with what you did today in your workplace and what you do tomorrow in your workplace. You know, we all love to tell a story. Stories are easy to remember and they're easy to picture in our head A good storyteller could take you from the here and now to the past where a story unfolds. From the days we were young, we were told stories, we read stories, we watched stories, we lived stories. But what does that matter to my faith? How does my ability to tell my Jesus story impact others? How does the impact of telling the gospel through stories make the process go faster than translating an entire Bible? Before there were written documents, before there were copies of the scriptures, there were stories and traditions passed through the generations. Learn today how your story fits right in with the message of Love2020.com. We've got Kathy Branzell on the air with us today. She's the national coordinator for Love2020. And we've got Mark Snowden joining her. He's the co-coordinator of the orality sphere, the O-R-A-L-I-T-Y, orality sphere within the Love2020. Kathy and Mark, welcome to I Work For Him. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. Good to be back with you. I wish you guys were both right here with me live on location as we sit outside in Jacksonville, Florida today, celebrating the one-week one uh, birth of my grandson and uh, got to be on location today, get to spend a little time with him, so that was a little fun. So I want to just start off, Kathy, with just a couple of questions for you because I think that I want to remind our listeners of what Love 2020 is all about. So, Kathy, every month we're reminding listeners what Love 2020, that love will change the world, but not just any love true love brought to us by the sacrifice of Jesus. What is Love 2020 trying to do to bring this love to everyone in the country? Right, thanks. Um, So first and foremost, uh, what's most important to me, and I think for sure what's most important at the heart of God, is that we just have this awesome love, this experience of the awesomeness, the supremacy, and the love of Jesus Christ. And when you are saturated in who Jesus really is, what he did for you, 
And the fact that he is the Son of God and that he wanted to make sure that he bridged the gap that our sin had caused so that we could be back in right relationship and brought to righteousness and redeemed, that we could have abundant life, not just in the hereafter, not after we died, but the today. And in that saturation, in that relationship, there's a response that happens to us. You, you just can't help it. You want to share that love. And there is a mandate, but it's such an easy mandate to go and love. We're supposed to love him and love others, love our neighbor. And so that's what Love 2020 is all about, is we want people to understand and experience the love of Jesus Christ and hear the message of the good news and then go live it out, just like all your listeners do every day when they go to work for him. And the story is so, I mean, the story is desperate. There, everybody we work alongside, not everybody, but most of the people we work alongside, they desperately need to hear the hope and the truth about Jesus. You know, last right. month you brought on an incredible guest for us, Cindy Marks from the Modesto, California School Board, talking about her influence yeah. in the community. This month, talk to us about our guest that you brought on today, Mark Snowden. Well, sometimes I bring guests on, like Cindy, who are just like your listeners out there in the workplace, not in uh, a, a behind a pulpit or not working for a specific ministry, but that understands they are ministering that 100% of their day, 100% of their time belongs to Jesus. And she does work for him, and that was so much fun. And then sometimes I like to bring guests on that will help equip all your listeners for what they're doing out there in the workplace so that they're, it, a lot of people want to share the love and message of Jesus Christ. But how can we make it not awkward? How can we make it easier? How can we bridge the conversation, an everyday conversation? Because, it, you know what, I would say every person in your workplace um, is desperate for Jesus in one way or another. And it might be in a marriage problem, it might be with their kids, it might be financially, it might be health, it might be um, that they have a child with disabilities or someone going through school they might, uh, problems, they might have a prodigal. And so what I want to do by bringing my friend Mark on is to teach and to give an idea of what it means to be a storyteller, because what Mark and the folks in the Orality Sphere do is they help bridge the awkward gap that might you might feel between a conversation and then talking about Jesus or talking about the Bible. You don't have to get your, your Bible out of your big bottom drawer and open it up and take them down the Romans road um, to have a conversation about Jesus. They can talk to you about something going on in their life, and you can say, you know what, that reminds me of, or that kind of sounds like, and then you just tell a story in the Bible. Oh, and then so, relevant. Uh, right. It's so cool. I mean, I just love that. And, and so you brought Mark Snowden on here. Mark, you're a world-class speaker, a trainer, a strategist, a communicator. Your bio is extensive, incredible. And you've written a, a, a recently written a book, Truth That Sticks, which we'll talk about after the bottom of the half hour. Mark Snowden, welcome to IRC for him. Thanks. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation from Kathy and, and uh, having access to your listeners. This is awesome to introduce them to something like orality, which sounds like, I don't know, something between a mouthwash and dental work. So, I mean, it's great. 
<laughs> well, and honestly, it's hard to say on the radio because people can't see my my mouth moving. I'm thinking people are going to think we're talking about morality, but we're not. We're talking about orality, the telling of stories. But Mark, let's just step back for just a second. How did you hear about the Love 2020 movement and what made you want to be a part of it? Sure. Uh, Love 2020 has had my heart for a long time as it's sought to seek uh, to evangelize, bring God's Word to every person uh, in the United States so that they can have a response. And when I heard that uh, they had these different uh, spheres, uh, I'm, I'm one of the, the leaders of these spheres. Uh, what is it, Kathy? We're up to about... 35, something like that, almost 38. 38. 38. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, To be a part of the orality sphere was something that I jumped at with the invitation. And it was great to see that the Mission America Coalition and this Love 2020 initiative really saw that it was essential that we really do get a hold of this whole aspect of orality if we're really going to be effective of making disciples of all people. And we're going to really dig deep into orality after the break. But Kathy, before we get to the break, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get involved in the Love 2020 movement right today? Absolutely. So always you can go to our website at love2020.com. That's love2020.com. And uh, explore. There's all kinds of new things on the website. We're always putting something new up in our coaching corner. You can learn about all the different affinity spheres. We use this word. It's basically an area of cultural influence. And so uh, look at that, and you can hit join and uh, type me a message and let me know that you're interested, and we will get back in touch with you, but that you're committed to share the love and message of Jesus Christ where you are, where you live, and with your neighbors. And it is so true that we need to be intentional about bringing that love to our workplace. That The people we work alongside, the, the, our neighbors, the people we live alongside, they desperately need to hear about the love of our Heavenly Father that He demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And it's so important. Go out to love2020.com and join the Love 2020 movement today. Find a way to just make that equipment, add that accountability to your life where you can make that commitment to to start praying for those people that you work alongside, that you live alongside, and then looking for ways to care for them in way, by sharing with them, or and then ways to share your faith with them. Kathy and Mark, as, as we talk today about Love 2020, Mark, as you got involved, you, you know, you've you been involved in, in lots of incredible things uh, uh, in your lifetime. Talk to me about what was the one thing about Love 2020 that you said, huh, I got to put my name on that. Oh, it was the whole idea and the opportunity for orality and tying it with the prayer, care, share lifestyle. Uh, It's the idea that if you care enough, you will want to make disciples of all people. And you start looking at people and largely America has oral preference learners all over. A lot of it's tied to literacy. How much do they read? Education. How much have they attained? Do they read every day? Uh, is the Bible even available in their language if they're a person that is maybe from another country that doesn't speak, you know, one of the 500 languages the Bible is in? There's 6,700 languages in the world. Or um, maybe they just want to make disciples like Jesus did. Jim, I had the opportunity today to just spend a little bit of time uh, in Luke, and in Luke's account of Jesus's ministry and his life, he's the only one of the Gospels that actually has the story of Zacchaeus. 
and Jesus was walking the roads in Jericho. He looks up in a tree, and there is this little tax collector guy in a tree. Now, does Jesus start lecturing him? No, he simply says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to go and spend the day with you. And he did, and by the end of it, there was this incredible transformation in Zacchaeus's life where he's, you know, wanting to give half of everything he has to the poor and if he's cheated anyone four times. And this is the scripture verse where Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. He he didn't lecture the guy. He he spent time with him. We find the oral learners love to have that relationship. It's not so much abstract thought, but it really is getting into their worldview, understanding how they see the world, and then be able to say, that reminds me of a story. Jim, if I go up to you or Kathy, either one, and I say, hey, have you heard the one about well, you know a story's coming, and your ears perk up, and you're ready to go. Uh, if my wife went up to Kathy and said, Kathy, can I share something with you in love? I know Kathy's ready <laughs> for a story. We're right there. And we don't need to lecture, but the thing is, is there are between 500 and 700 Bible stories available to us in God's Word. And I believe if we'll do the Psalm 119.11 thing, store up God's Word in our heart, that when the Holy Spirit provides opportunities, He will bring Bible stories to mind that will be appropriate to the situation or maybe have some pithy saying that really does make a difference. We're always quoting, you know, proverbs or pithy things all the time, but rarely from Scripture. Like, you know, we could say, yeah, he's dumb as a bag of hammers, or, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything becomes a nail, or if you have, uh, you know, a burden hand's worth two in the bush, that kind of thing. But do we really share Scripture out of Proverbs or Psalms or some of the gospel? or even Paul's letters, do we, do we share God's Word in our regular prayer, share, care, lifestyle that we have? I believe that we will be more effective sharing if we actually care enough to learn God's Word and especially His stories and be able to uh, share it just as conversationally as, as you and I are talking today. Hey, did you hear the one about... And bang, you're right in talking about Zacchaeus and Jesus. Zacchaeus, a businessman, and Jesus ready to intercept him and uh, connect with him in his life. All right, so let's talk about the word orality. Uh, Let's just help us understand. You just described it, but let's, I, I, before. I got your bio before I got what Kathy sent me before the show today. I, I, I had never even heard that word before. Now, I, I've, I've heard of talking orally, obviously. We've, we've talked about those things, but I never heard the, the concept of orality. Why don't you describe it in concept form? Because I understand it because I've been studying it, but not everybody. There are a lot of people out there today that are hearing the word orality and the concept behind presenting the truth of Scripture in an orality, in an oral fashion, it's a little bit different idea. Yeah, trust me, when this, this was all being hammered out in the 90s, we looked for any other word that we could use other than orality, trust me. And we started I looking that. at it, and it had been studied as a, as a you know, academic approach for hundreds of years. You can go back to great orators in our society. You can go back to uh, study orality. You can Google it and be able to drag up all kinds of things. We even invented a word, storying 
when we were talking just about Bible stories because people had a hard time with the word storytelling. There was a business book uh, that was out in the mid-90s called Managing by Storying Around, and they made up the word, and we ripped it right off. And it's the idea of being able to share something in an oral format. So a lot of it is the spoken word. It's, it's verbal, but it's, it's how you share it. It's just not print made loud. It's, it's not trying to take a literate bullet point or three points in a poem, but it's much more thematic and it's much more relational, and it really seeks to be much more memorable. Um, well, and and everybody's heard stories. They they know that it, when you hear a story, um, and when I read a good story, I read. I'm a I'm a prolific reader. I mean, I've already read over 20 books this year. And when I read a great story, if I read a good nonfiction book that's got great stories throughout, I understand the book a whole lot better than a nonfiction book where some guy's going blah 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 for 300 pages. Um, and, and I've read your book yet, so I'm not going to comment. So, but. <laughs> When I, when I read fiction, sometimes there's a great story with great pictures being drawn in words, and I can picture it in my mind, and I can remember it, and it makes me ex- feel things. It, it, it drives emotions. Yes. So how did you get to be so passionate, Mark Snowden? How did you get to be so passionate about this, th- this whole concept of orality? Well, how did God lay that on your heart? Yeah, my background was communicating the gospel. My background was communications. I have a broadcasting degree, and I actually got a master's in communications management. And as a, a consultant for what Southern Baptists were doing internationally, I've been in 54 countries being able to connect with them. And I happened to be on a team that had uh, a guy named Jim Slack that was getting his doctorate and really focusing upon this Bible storying and the orality, and then a co-worker, uh, J.O. Terry, out of Asia, that was connecting with people. It used to be in missions that you did not ever approach a people group or any language group unless the Bible had been translated into their language. And all of a sudden, through the oral transmission of Bible stories, we had the ability to connect with people groups, even if they didn't have the Bible in their language. They knew we were telling them a story, or we were doing it in their style of of a chant, or maybe a poem, or maybe even a song. But they knew it was how they told truth in in their environment with their people. And it was able to be shared like crazy. And we all of a sudden started hearing of people from the jungle that would go into a city on on market day, hear a story and go back to their village and share the story. They didn't say, well, we had to attend, you know, a Bible training seminar, and then we had to go and, and we read it to all the people. No, the people couldn't read it. They loved hearing the stories, and they were evangelizing. And then they would tell the missionaries or tell the, the leaders that were there, hey, why don't you come to our village? We're ready to baptize some new believers. We've been taking these stories back on, on, on you know, the market day back to our village. Okay, well, I got I to yeah. just, I mean, Started that's phenomenal. Sweeping the world, yeah. I love that. I love that. But we got a bunch of people listening today. Don't live in the jungles. Uh, they live in sub suburban America. They live in urban America. They they live in rural America. Uh, and we got people listening across the globe that live in big cities. How does orality? I mean, you know, we, I mean, I I live in Florida. I mean, people can read, can't they? Well, they can read, but do they? 
Um, there was an article in the Orlando Sentinel that talked about the illusion of literacy in our society. According to our Department of Education for the United States, well over half of everyone in the United States struggles with literacy just right out of the box. Only 3 to 4% are what you and I would call purely illiterate, okay, nationwide. But half struggle with literacy, and only about 13% of everyone in America is actually proficient at reading. They enjoy reading. It's something that they do to learn, and they do it in order to um, be able to pass on to others. They share things that they know other people will read. And I think our churches have done a great job of attracting those highly literate people but what about everybody else? Those yeah. that not only struggle with literacy, but have what we call an oral learning preference. When you go into a church, it's one of the most highly literate environments in the world. You go in, they hand you a, uh, a hymnal, or they hand you a Sunday school quarterly, or you have words projected on the screen, or you have maybe a sermon um, outline where you've got to fill in the blank, and you've got to listen for a word, write it down, and you've got to, while you're writing it down, you're listening for the next word. And it requires people to have really a high level of dependence upon pastors, Bible study teachers, that they can't easily reproduce that come Monday morning. And many times our pastors are very frustrated because their their own members won't be able to reproduce the sermon or they won't be able to um, be able to share the, the tenets of what was in Scripture that was shared because the Scripture jumped all over, pulled Bible verses out of, out of context, and be, was able to put it together. We're finding that if you will stay in a story and be able to communicate it verbally, and then be able to, even if you have highly literate people, which I've led a Bible study that had highly literate people, what happens is if you and I hear a story, then we are more accurately able to reproduce that story. Mm, if you I get that. read a story, then your brain is constantly trying to remember it verbatim. Right. Kathy, I can see why you wanted Mark to be part of I Work For Him and the Love 2020 That's show true. today. Talk to me about yeah. what was one thing about Mark Snowden and, and his story that you wanted to make sure the listeners heard, and, and how has orality touched your life? So I, uh, our church, and, and my family specifically, we take a group of youth to Nicaragua every year uh, for a mission trip. And we were moving from a adult leader-centered um, mission trip to a youth led and center trip, uh, and our youth were freaking out. And we told them, you have to get up, you have to lead the lessons, you have to give a testimony, you have to make it connect and work. And kids were actually thinking about not going. It wasn't raising the money that bothered them. It was the fact that they were going to have to give a lesson, tell a Bible story, and they were completely mm. freaked out. And so I brought um, the orality uh, lesson into my own living room with all of these uh, kids going on the mission trip, all of these sophomore, junior, seniors, uh, freshmen in high school. And I said, guys, here's what it looks like. And I told the story, acted out the story of blind Bartimaeus. And it was like a light bulb went on. And, and, and if you know that story, you know, here's blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, and he hears that Jesus is coming down the road. The crowds are starting to form, and he starts screaming out for Jesus as loud as he can, and the crowd shushes him 
They're like, hush, be quiet. And the more culture, the more the crowd told him to shush, the louder he got. And when Jesus got up to where Barnabas was, he called for him. Well, then all of a sudden the crowd turns and they're like, oh, be of good spirit, death flood, hooray, Barnabas. He's calling for you. And they take him to him. And Jesus says, what would you have me do for you? And, of course, we know Barnabas gets his sight back. But in that whole idea, guys, I said, realize the kids in Nicaragua are experiencing the same pressures you are. Culture's telling them to shush about Jesus. They're telling you, don't pray, don't talk about him, don't call on the name of Jesus, don't mention the name of Jesus. But Barnabas is a story about what happens when you're not going to be shushed. Well, uh, the kids lit up. I mean, we couldn't stop them, and it wasn't. Each person was assigned one story, and there were kids doing three, four, five, ten stories. It was hilarious, and still are. And that's how they're communicating in their high schools now. It wasn't just about ten days in Nicaragua. Now it's about the high school lunchroom and parking lot and you know football games. Of hey, you know, um, that reminds me of a story. Well, I, and I, I love this concept, Mark, and, and, and it's so powerful. I, I, you know, when I was in junior high and high school, there was an evangelist, a guy named Mike Wernke, and he eventually got discredited <laughs> for some of his personal stories that he told. Right. Like Mike Wernke, you remember him, obviously, oh, you're laughing. Oh, yeah, very much. He could tell a Bible story like nobody ever in the world could tell a Bible sure. story. And the and the visual images that he created in my mind through verbal, through orality, I, I, I can tell the story of Jonah better than, because I heard that. I mean, I could, I, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I could hear it in my mind because he made it so come alive. Mark, how, how is this, this idea behind orality, how is that transferred then into us being able to communicate our own story of faith? Okay. Um, well, we get used to telling our story to other people. It's our experience, and we've lived it. When we actually tell these Bible stories, you don't have to be a professional storyteller, a Mike Warnke, or something that's really slick as, you know, some jester with a hat on uh, is what comes to mind when I th- think of Mike Warnke. But you just need to get telling it. You can tell your story of how God transformed your life, and hopefully you could tell your story so accurately and include points that when you get through, you could say, would you like to do something like that as well? I think sometimes we short-circuit our uh, own personal testimony when we say, oh, I went to church and I got saved. Well, what happened along that path? What happened when you were, you know, being convicted of your sins and starting to understand a little bit of why Jesus came to die for you? Can you share that in your story as well? We're actually including as part of our training that I do, I call it Truth Sticks Training, we actually have people that spend time on their testimony, revisiting it, and trying to see if if they can align their story with God's story. And actually, we've created Bible story sets. We actually have Bible studies, and that's one of the things that God's led me into, is developing Bible studies for groups, kind of like Kathy's group going overseas uh, that we were just talking about. We have a training course in that, uh, using not only Bible stories, but then good discussion questions that talk about what they like, what they didn't like, what they learned about God, what they learned about mankind, what they learned about themselves, and how 
they're going to have to respond to it. How, what do you do with that story? What difference does it make in your life? And then we have other mm-hmm. questions that well that really draw out truths from them. And what's interesting is when a person discovers that truth for themselves, then it really sticks. Uh, brain theorists tell us that emotions etch memories, and a dispassionate, just information-laden Bible study comes sometimes in one ear and out the other. But well, when... and sometimes it's painful, and you want to get indigestion, <laughs> and you want to, you're like, somehow get me out of this, Lord, just yeah. take me home or something. But, but Mark, I, I want to make sure we really, you know, that we bring the practical in before we run out of time on the show today. You know, as people are listening today, they're going, okay, this is great. I want to learn how to tell Bible stories, but tell me how this applies to me in my workplace. And Kathy, is this the Love 2020? We're talking about the workplace affinity sphere. We're talking about bringing an authentic touch of Jesus to our workplaces between now and 2020 so that everybody in the workplace, 150 plus million people can experience true love from a Christ follower. How does this storytelling, Kathy, what do you see as how does this storytelling ability, this orality impact our faith in the workplace? Right, because it's conversational. It's not a lecture. Mm -hmm. And so I love that because if you, in your workplace, if you're a listener, people will tell you anything and everything. If you will make eye contact when you ask somebody, how are you doing? And you make eye contact and you stop and you really listen to how are you doing, then, you know, who knows what they're going to download on you. And so I'll say, uh, uh, say it's somebody and uh, they have a mom or themselves who have been sick and they're like, you know, um, I know I asked you to pray about this uh, or I've been praying about this for two weeks now and she's not even better. Two weeks? Oh, I, that must be really difficult for you. I'm so, so sad. Hey, did you know in the Bible it talks about a woman who was sick for 13 years? You know, and, and, and you go into the, the talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And then in my own testament, I go, you know what? I had a brain tumor for 14 and a half years. And we prayed and my parents prayed and everyone who knew me prayed and people in ministry prayed and complete strangers prayed. People around the world prayed 14 years. But you know what? After 14 years, 14 and a half years, I was just about to give up. I was just about to to uh, have an experimental surgery that I knew was not going to go well, that had not been successful. And God said, we're done with that. And he gave the same miracle that he gave to that woman with the issue of blood, and I was completely healed. See, that's a conversation. That's real life. That's my testimony. That's not just how I was saved, but it's who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's still doing. We think a lot about who Jesus was in the Bible and who Jesus will be when he comes back, but this is a conversation about who Jesus is today and how we connect all of those pieces in a conversation that's not awkward. Mark, it's got to be exciting to be uh, really at the forefront of this because I I know that orality has been a method of evangelism and Bible telling stories, storytelling across the world. But to do it in the U.S. to recognize the fact that we've got those those literacy issues in the U.S. and to recognize the fact that storytelling is way more effective. And, and your story of the church that that adopted this and and exploded with this and their discipleship is fantastic. We've got on the air today with us Kathy Branzell and Mark Snow. 
Snowden from Love 2020. Kathy's in charge of the whole deal, the whole Love 2020 deal. Mark Snowden's in a co-director of the Orality Sphere. We've been talking today about the power of story to impact people's lives and the fact that when we tell stories and it triggers emotions, those stories will stick with us for so very, very long. Mark, as you raise your daughter, I noticed in your bio that you got a daughter and you got a granddaughter. How did your knowledge and understanding of orality impact how your daughter understood the stories of the Bible? One of the things I learned early on is that with a preschooler, that you could not exegete the uh, story of fables and that kind of thing that you were telling. You had to tell the story all the way through. For instance, if you were telling the story of the three little pigs and you started talking about the big bad wolf, you couldn't talk about stop the story and start talking about wolves being an endangered species and how they would change their winter coating sometimes to white and things like that. I mean, my daughter would sit there and go, Dad, get on with the story. And it taught me that whenever we tell Bible stories to our kids and in family devotions and that kind of thing, keep the story intact and then be able to make sure that she's understanding the story. She had tons of stories, but when she was in high school, I remember we had a story in our family devotion time that had the name of a young man that she was dating at the time. And she sat bolt up right in in her chair and goes, wait a minute. You mean his name is in the Bible? We go, yeah. And she goes, oh, I, I, I so have got to tell him this. He doesn't know that. And uh, at any rate, it makes a big difference where the Bible becomes much more relevant to our life. Now we have access, you know, with our granddaughter and that kind of thing. The whole thing is with her starting again. Not only can she learn the story, but can she tell it again, uh, working with I know felt or drawing stories or whatever, and then have her go and tell a grandparent or take the story and tell it to one of her friends next door. Right. Right. That is right, huge. So we don't it, say, honey, would it, you be a Bible study leader for your children this uh, week in, your, in our neighborhood? No, she just hears a story and she's ready to go tell it. And that's exciting. All right, so uh, I want to, I noticed that you blog and that your blog site is Truth truthsticks.us truthsticks.us is there another place where people can go and buy this curriculum that you're talking about this this orality curriculum is there any i mean how do people find this stuff that you're talking about sure the bible stories that actually i have in uh it was set within bible studies are available from me at snowdenministries at gmail.com snowdenministries at gmail.com and then also the book Truth That Sticks is like at Amazon or online or whatever. It's available in Kindle or whatever. And because that book is so technical, last year, because it's so much how-to, I actually wrote a science fiction story called Canmar Passing that's about a community that has actually outlawed literacy, and they are totally oral. And so you learn about orality from this other culture that is dealing and thriving with being highly relational because they depend upon each other so much rather than our more highly literate uh, society that's continually fragmented and um, doesn't have the relationships like we used to because everything is more of a uh, literate worldview, at least in the underpinnings of it. Hope that makes sense. 
It does make sense. So people can get a hold of you at snowdenministries at gmail.com and, and request those. They can e- email back and forth with you and get copies of that curriculum that you're talking about. Yeah, you're very kind to uh, let me promote that. And also oh. with the um, orality sphere, go to uh, love2020.com slash orality, and you're going to find access to a lot of other resources, including a special report that we did for the Mission America Coalition last year on orality in America. It's a free PDF. Yeah. PDF, you just download. I, I read that. It's pretty good. Kathy, as we come to the end of the show, tell people how they can get involved in the Love 2020 movement. Hey, well, you can pray, you can care, and you can share. And let us know about it. Let us help you. Uh, we've got all kinds of resources. We have all different groups, like Mark Stoden's uh, Affinity Sphere, where we can help you. Um, we can work with you, or we can just equip you and pray for you. And so love2020.com. And uh, just have a good time looking all over our website, uh, all kinds of great things on there. Kathy Branzell, Mark Snowden, thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much. Go out to love2020.com, sign up today, be part of the prayer, care, share movement in America, bringing an authentic touch of Jesus to your workplace by, by 2020 love2020.com. And I also recommend that you contact Mark Snowden about learning how to tell these stories and grow discipleship through storytelling, snowdenministries at gmail.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.